Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Will we invite others to taste and see that the Lord is good? Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. One of the biblical images for refuge is of a fortress or a castle like this one on a hill. In this lockdown period we've been discovering what it means for our homes to be our refuge. We have experienced God as our refuge. Will we invite others to experience God as their And so taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That's what we've just been watching on that very short film, isn't it? And this is verse 8 of Psalm 34. The whole of the psalm has been read to us and it is a beautiful psalm which I'd encourage you to go away and read for yourselves and think more deeply about. 
But for this morning, I want to focus on verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Although I'd also like to bring in a translation from the message version. No, not the message version, the passion translation, which says, drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Apparently the Hebrew word for see, as in taste and see, can be translated to drink deeply. I rather like that sense that it gives to this verse. So, before we get into to what does verse 8 communicate to us, let's have a think about the seven verses that run up to verse 8 in Psalm 34. First of all, verses 1 to 3. They're full of praise. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. They boast about the Lord. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Exalt his name together. They're rich in praise, aren't they? And then verse 4 goes on to, to say, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And verse 5 tells us if we look to the Lord, our faces will be radiant and we need never be covered with shame. And then verse 6 assures us that even when the poor man calls to the Lord, he will be saved. And finally, verse 7 says the angels encamp around us and keep us safe. And then we come to the beautiful verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. It's rather like everything builds up to verse 8, doesn't it? But the question is, is verse 8 a consequence of what we believe? Or is it a beginning or an invitation is even to come and taste that the Lord is good? We're going to think about these two things. Is it a consequence or is it a beginning or an invitation? You see, if verse 8 is a consequence of all that's just gone before, then it's a case of when we have drunk deeply with our God, we will naturally be drawn to boasting about him. We will long to come before him in worship and prayer. We will know that he's there in all circumstances, big and small, extreme and insignificant. Others will see the difference that this trust in God makes in our lives. We will look different, we will act differently, and we will make different decisions because we know that God is good. For we know there is nothing that we can do to bring about our own salvation. It's only our trust in God through Jesus' saving grace. These will be the consequences of tasting and seeing that God is good. Or if we go back to that Hebrew root word of see, if we drink deeply, this demonstrates a deep involvement, something like a fulfilling slug of a life-giving drink that will slake our thirst forever. It's like having a long cold drink on one of the very hot days that we've been having recently, but never getting thirsty again. 
It kind of reminds us of that living water that Jesus told the woman at the well about in Samaria in John. Taste and see that the Lord is good. A natural consequence for those of us who have experienced his saving grace. But what if this verse represents a beginning or an invitation to draw near and taste and see for ourselves? Come, drink deeply. Don't be a bystander or one who perhaps admires somebody else's faith but has never quite owned it for themselves. This psalm goes on to talk about being taught the fear of the Lord, which isn't about the kind of fear that makes you cower on the floor. This is about holding the Lord in reverence, in very high esteem, appreciating all that he is. And so by the act of tasting and of course perhaps risking and drawing near, then we will be able to own the praises of verses 1 to 6. And so tasting and seeing becomes the beginning of our journey towards God. So I think we can look at this verse in both ways. And I wonder where you are in your faith today, whether you immediately see this as a consequence or as a beginning, an invitation. So if it is a consequence for you, you may be saying, oh, but I want to believe that the Lord is good. I do accept Jesus has died for me and he's my Lord and Saviour. I try hard to praise and worship and to pray and trust him with all my life. But, is God good? Verse 7 says that the angels encamp around us to keep us safe. And you might be thinking, well, have you seen my life recently? Or more than that, have you seen the state of the world around us? Have you seen, do you realise that we're living in a pandemic when hundreds and thousands are dying every day? Hundreds and thousands are dying every day, all of the time, of many diseases. But it's been brought into stark reality for us in the last few months. How does this speak of God being good or even trustworthy? Hmm. Sometimes we sing our worship songs, we choose to praise. But there can be this voice inside of us saying, but... Let me tell you a little bit of a story, a bit of testimony from my life quite a while ago now, when our children were young. They're both adults now with children of their own. But when they were quite young and we had my teenage stepson living with us, life was extremely difficult. My stepson was a very troubled young man and uh, causing us daily problems and distresses. We never knew what was going to happen each day. In addition to that, my husband's job was a complete nightmare and he didn't know how to continue doing that either. We went away to spring harvest as a family and during that time Stephen and I felt right to really just lay before God everything that was and the chaos of our life and say to him we can't keep doing this anymore. Something has to change. Well obviously we came home and went back to life and then a couple of weeks, maybe a month later, Stephen lost his job. This didn't seem to be a good answer to our prayer. That seemed to mean that things had just got worse, not better. 
I'll come back to the conclusion of that story later. But the thing is, you see, if our belief on whether God is good or not is dependent on what our circumstances look like, then we will often be derailed in our faith. Our starting point needs to be to look at who God is, his trustworthy, unchanging character. Now, to help us do this, I want us to look at two characters that we read about in the Bible. The first of which is Ruth. What did she know about Naomi's God, I wonder? She'd certainly observed her mother-in-law through the great tragedies of their lives. But I think she saw more security in Naomi's God than staying with her own people of Moab. She'd had enough of a taste of God's sweetness to know that there was something worth clinging on to in the face of great tragedy. She knew she had to go where Naomi went. And so we read in Ruth 1.16, Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Was this a consequence or a beginning for Ruth? She decided to taste and perhaps see that this Hebrew God was good, to perhaps test his faithfulness and protection. Naomi was giving her little encouragement. Naomi was telling her to go back, don't come with me. I'm a bitter, broken person. God, uh, Naomi is not seeing much of God's goodness at this time. But somehow Ruth is. How did Ruth come to know this faithfulness? Well, as she and Naomi stepped into the unknown, at each step God demonstrated his faithfulness. They were provided with food and shelter and protection through an unknown kinsman. See, Ruth was obedient to the nudging of the Spirit of God through Naomi and through the distress to continue to taste and see that the Lord was faithful to them. Circumstances did not lead to God's goodness, to knowing God's goodness, but rather a knowledge of who God was through Naomi's heritage, I believe. There are times when we have to trust our knowledge of who God says he is. How do we know that? Mainly through his word, the Bible makes it abundantly clear about who God is. Also through our previous experience, which grows our faith. And then I think through the wisdom of others who have journeyed longer in the faith than we have. But going back to the word of God then, to understand the character of who God is, here's just a few of the things the Bible says about God. He is faithful, 1 Corinthians 1. He will never leave us, Deuteronomy 3, 31. He's made an everlasting covenant with him, Genesis 9. He will rejoice over us with singing. He will protect us, Psalm 91. And he is strong and he is mighty, Psalm 24. And he secures justice for the poor, Psalm 140. And he will bring you joy, for he is joy. We're reminded in 1 Thessalonians 2. So get to know the characteristics of God. 
for it is who he is and the reason we can know he is good even when our circumstances deceive us into thinking otherwise. Ruth dipped her toe in the water with Naomi's God and tasted and saw that he was good. How about you? Moving on to our second character then, Zacchaeus, a man who wanted to see Jesus. What did he know about Jesus? He must have heard about Jesus healing people, touching the unclean, challenging the authorities, his views about holding on to wealth, but also Jesus' desire to have even the little children come to him. So perhaps Zacchaeus thought, could I, even I, a tax collector, meet Jesus, just see him a little, draw near, see this good man, this teacher, this rabbi, well, he does it secretly, doesn't he? We're told he climbs a tree because he was only short. Was he ashamed of himself? Did he feel he was not worthy to be seen? Or was it just a way in order to be able to see over the crowds? Or did he feel too dirty to be in front of Jesus? He knew Jesus by reputation. He knew that he was good. And something in him was being drawn to come near and taste for himself some of this goodness of Jesus. Well, he got a little more than he expected, for Jesus spoke to him, confronted him. Jesus was going to bring all of his goodness right to Zacchaeus' door. He wanted him to not just see with his eyes and hear with his ears, but to drink deeply of this delightful God. Zacchaeus had a choice at this point. Was Jesus really good? Was he really trustworthy? If he truly knew me, thinks Zacchaeus, he would not come to my home. But Jesus wanted to go to Zacchaeus's home. Was Zacchaeus prepared to let him come? You see, Zacchaeus could have said no and run away back to the shadows. Verse 34, uh, Psalm 34 and verse 6 reminds us even the poorest soul is saved and here is Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus chose to taste and he found that God through Jesus was good because he welcomed Jesus in to his home. Perhaps something we can relate to even more right now as we're very hesitant as to who we let into our homes. So where are you on your journey of faith, your journey of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? Or drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn and hide himself in him. Is this a consequence for you? Or is it a beginning? If it's a beginning, I'd invite you to come down from your tree, whatever that might be. Come, Jesus says, come and drink deeply of me, for I will give you the waters, the living waters of life. Do we choose to take refuge in our God or do we run for him, from him when times are tough like they are now? Is God our refuge, as his verse promises that he will be? 
Are we keeping him at arm's length? Because we're not sure that he's good. Are we prepared even to bless God for who he is without being able to see the full picture? For neither of these people could see the full picture. Any more than I could see the full picture. Going back to the story I shared with you earlier. What was God doing taking my husband's job away at this particularly stressful time in our lives? It seemed crazy. It seemed mad. But somehow in all of this we hung on to the fact that God had to be our rock. And that we'd prayed about this so he must have something better in mind. Well, things were difficult. My husband hadn't left his job with a particularly good financial package and we weren't sure how we were going to manage and life at home continued to be crazy. However, money seemed to come from the most unexpected quarters and at just the point when we thought we were going to be seriously running out of money, like with a month, two weeks to go, Stephen actually got a new job and a new job that enabled him to retrain in a different profession and so began a journey of a different life even though the craziness at home in connection with my stepson did continue we could certainly sense that God had a plan, God was in control and God was trustworthy even when things felt as if they were spinning out of control. What about you then? Are you able to say that you can taste and see that God is good and that he is your refuge? Or to go back to those verses from the Passion Translation, will you drink deeply from the pleasures of this God? Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. I pray that today you will know in your circumstances that God is good. Thank you.